I'm Kate Daniels. The word dementia has a lot of power. It can strike fear in the strongest person. It can cause another equally strong person to unravel. But this is where information and awareness are critical, so we know how to work with and approach this condition. Deborah Schaus is a writer, a speaker, a caregiver, and dementia advocate. She has much awareness to share, which she does so wonderfully in her new book, Connecting in the Land of Dementia, Creative Activities to Explore Together. Deborah Schaus, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Good morning, Kate. I'm delighted to be here. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate the work that you're doing and the writing that you're doing. This book, Connecting in the Land of Dementia, Creative Activities to Explore Together, because I would venture to say all of us in some way are touched by Alzheimer's or dementia with either of these diseases. And so it's so critical for us to have this greater understanding and the insights that you're providing for us. Well, thank you. And, you know, part of the joy of writing this book is I was able to interview experts all over the world who are doing this magnificent work in creativity and dementia. And one thing that was so heartening that I learned is that even when our rational minds aren't functioning perfectly, our imagination and creativity are still there, and they're great connecting points for So for me, as a former family care partner, I was honored to care for my mom and my partner's two parents and their dementia journeys, um, who is always looking for how do we stay connected and where is the meaning in this. This book offers so many ideas and so much hope for people living with dementia and their care partners, both family and professional. And you know, one of the things that I found to really be so important and so helpful is to adapt ourselves to life being different, to the person that we love being different rather than wanting them to be who we always knew and we want them to still be the same person. We do. That was one of my big life lessons, Kate, with my mom. When I finally stopped trying to bring her back to quote, reality, and make her be the way she used to be, as you just so aptly described, and I was able to appreciate her just as she was, our relationship blossomed and deepened, and it was so much more relaxing for both of us. So that is something so important, and, you know, there's a grieving process that can happen when someone you really care about is changing like that. And it's important to go through it. But for me, once I learned, travel to where my mom is and ask her open-ended questions and appreciate her answers, it was a wonderful gift. So I think that that then is a gift, too, that we can share, is to have this awareness, not have to, you know, reconstruct the whole thing ourselves, is to, if we are in a situation of caring for a loved one with dementia, to know that at the outset, and know there'll be the grieving process, but not have to really take an exorbitantly long time to get to that place. (laughs) That's the ideal situation. You know, one of the 
the joys of writing this book is this increased realization, Kate, we are all the same. We all want the same thing. We want to have a meaningful life with purpose. We want to be able to give back. We want to learn. We want to have relationships. We want to have fun. And that doesn't change just because someone is diagnosed with dementia. So the goal is the same as any of us would want if we are having any a change in our abilities is to let us live our lives in the best way, the way we would most want to. And one of my contributors, Dr. Cameron Camp, and another gentleman named Dr. Alan Power talk about cognitive ramps. So, and the concept is if someone is in a wheelchair, are you going to try to make them go up the stairs? Or are you going to look for a ramp? <laughs> and so the same is true for someone who is struggling with cognitive impairment. You want to give them as many ramps as possible so they can live a happy and successful life. And that's part of what this book is about, is finding all kinds of ways to stay connected, to help people stay connected with their passions and hobbies they've always enjoyed as they change. And thank you for sharing that. That is so insightful to compare dementia to something as a person being in a wheelchair. I think that helps us to really get a better grasp of it as to how, you know, we want to really be and work with our loved one. Yes. And, you know, it's something we learn over and over again, this coming back to what is good about the situation, what is this person like to do? And really, for me, a really vital part of the book is all these activities we're exploring and mentioning are good for the care partners as well. And those of your listeners who have been care partners know how challenging that is, whether you're a um, full-time care partner or just a person who loves someone and is visiting or you're a professional care partner it's easy to give yourself away and to be so focused on your person that you don't take care of yourself. And so one of the things that I really appreciated about all the different activities is when we do them together, we're nourishing ourselves as care partners as well as nourishing the person who's living with dementia. So it's great for every person. And isn't that really so ideal because that's what keeps the connection or builds the connection, whatever the case may be. That's right. One of the things that is um, fun to know is that we can all learn and try new things. And so, you know, sometimes people say, well, do you have to have a former interest in art to enjoy a painting when you have dementia? And the answer is no, you do not. There's a wonderful program called Memories in the Making that many Alzheimer's associations sponsor, a watercolor painting program for people living with dementia, and the, many of the people have produced magnificent pieces of art. My father-in-law was in this program, and his art was outstanding, and they had an auction at the Alzheimer's Association where they sold the art that he made and other people in his group made, and it was a feeling of such pride and purpose when he realized his art helped raise money for the Alzheimer's Association. And I think that's another really important concept is that we still want to be able to give back um, even when we have a cognitive impairment. 
Um, one of the things I really appreciated um, from my cooking experts in the book is how cooking can be a really easy way for people who are living with dementia to give back to others. We all like to eat, most of us, and that's a part of everyday life. And so when you are able to spend some time in the kitchen together and you're able to create some kind of meal, one of the stories is about a woman whose parents have been in such chaos since her mom was diagnosed with dementia. And one day a neighbor comes over and she helps the mom make egg salad sandwiches. Her daughter is so moved by getting to eat her mother's egg salad sandwiches, which she hasn't had in probably five years. It's a transformative moment for that family. And so those are the kinds of things. They're simple. They're easy. We can all do them. We just need some support around remembering these are things we can do. And I feel then with the book, with the conversation we're having this morning, but having this book and reading these stories, Connecting in the Land of Dementia, really is supportive, encouraging, and really gives us some great ideas to incorporate into our own lives. Thank you for mentioning that, Kate. I want this to be really easy and accessible for um, all kinds of care partners and friends because I know that sometimes people feel really exhausted and overwhelmed, and so many of these are things you can just tuck into your day. Uh, For friends visiting, I think a lot of times when we're visiting someone living with dementia, we don't know exactly what to say or do. This book offers so many ideas, and and I've been using the ideas myself. I've got a friend living with dementia who's long distance, so one of the things... I've been doing that's really been great for both of us is poetry. We have two poetry experts in the book, Gary Glasner from the Alzheimer's Poetry Foundation and John Killick from the UK, who's also just um, does a beautiful job of helping people who are living with dementia write poetry. One of the things that Gary does is call and response poetry. So this is what I've been doing with my friend. I take a poem um, that might be familiar to us, for example, the raven. And when we're talking and maybe the conversation lags, I ask her if she'd like to do poems with me, and I say, once upon a midnight dreary, and we repeat it together, once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary. And we just go through the poem like this, and what's interesting, a lot of times it'll inspire her to think of another poem that she likes. And usually I'm at my computer, I can look up the poem that she likes, and we start reciting it. It's been very enriching. So in this case, uh, Deborah, is poetry something that she particularly liked or was her form of literature at a time before the disease was in her life? No. (laughs) No? Oh, okay. No. And that's what's so cool about this. You don't have to be a poet or like poetry because the cadence of reciting poetry is very relaxing to people. And it brings you together. It gives you something to do together. And on the Alzheimer's Poetry Foundation site, there are many poems that he recommends that will be familiar to a lot of us that are nice to recite together. So it's a wonderful resource. So... Such a simple yet wonderful thing, and how it's stimulating 
to the person that there's an engagement. It doesn't have to be something that we used to do together, creating new experiences, which we like to do in life anyway, right? I know. I know. This is a totally new experience for both of us. And I was a little bit nervous at first when I tried it, and it just um, it worked out beautifully. And that's the other thing um, is to, you know, it's okay if what we try doesn't work the first time. We all have to give ourselves permission that this is an exploration. Sometimes you're just not in the mood to do something. If the person isn't in the mood, move on to something else. There's so many ideas, and I think flexibility and humor are some of the greatest qualities we can have at any time in our lives. (laughs) Indeed. So I'd like to take a moment to discuss or have you explain dementia and Alzheimer's, the connection or lack of connection, similarity, no similarity? It's a great question, Kate. Dementia is the umbrella um, term. So if you walk into an ice cream parlor, dementia is ice cream and Alzheimer's is chocolate ice cream. Alzheimer's is one of a series of cognitive impairments under the umbrella term of dementia. Perfect. That really makes it so clear. So therefore, when what we are discussing of all these uh, different experiences can be used with anyone who is suffering some form of dementia, some form of memory cognitive loss. That is true. And I tell you what, several of my readers have said, these are fun for everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> they, are, they are kind of fun because one of the things that studies have been showing us is that the arts, music, movement are really good for helping slow or prevent, we hope, cognitive impairment. That's what some studies are showing us. For, so to have you know, an invitation to explore art, music, gardening, cooking is is very nice for any person, but I was writing specifically for those who were living with dementia. Right. Well, as you say then, in exploring this, it can be that we are offsetting, pushing it way off into the future. Should we have kind of that predisposition, whatever it is that causes this in our own selves? It can be that. And so um, it's just nice to be doing something that's fun that you think, oh, may have a higher purpose in helping us stay healthy longer. Exactly. And it makes me think of a doctor I had the opportunity to, to interview many years ago who said that he decided that he was so left-brained about his work that he decided to learn to play the piano, to do something so different mm. to you know tax or challenge the other side of the brain. So I think some of that, perhaps, that creativity comes in from that right side. It's helping us. Absolutely. And I love your mention of music, Kate, because music is a really lovely and easy connector for so many of us. There's a new study by Dr. Teppo Sarkamo out of Helsinki, Finland, that talks about singing and how incorporating singing into your just daily routine um, helps boost your connection, it boosts your energy, and um, then Tipa Snow, who's a well-known 
educator on positive dementia interactions, talks about humming. So this is very good news for those of us who maybe aren't so good at carrying a tune or don't remember the words. You don't need to remember the words. Humming invites the other person to come right along with you, and you it helps your breathing, deepen your breathing. So that's one really easy way. It takes no extra time to add in that singing or humming, and it helps build a connection. There's also a wonderful program called Music and Memory, founded by Dan Cohen out of Brooklyn, New York. And that program says that all of us have favorite songs. And when we put together a list of our favorite songs, and these are often songs that have a memory attached to them, like song of our first dance with the person we fell in love with, or a song we sang to a child, or heard when we were going through a hard time. We put together a list of these songs. We put them on a listening device such as an iPod, and we put headsets on a person who's living with dementia so they can really hear the music. It brings them alive. It helps them connect. And there's a great movie called Alive Inside that documents this program. It's now available all around the world. So many Alzheimer's associations and care communities have it, and families can get it themselves. There's lots of information on the website. It's a magical program. And so it gives, it's also intergenerational. You can listen to music together and, you know, reminisce or ask open-ended questions, and it can really increase socialization, can reduce anxiety, and it's a great tool for care partners to share together. That is really so lovely. And it reminds me of some of the stories that you share in the book of how listening to the music causes a person to really begin to tap their foot. All of a sudden, there's this energy that's really coursing through the body, whether they're recognizing music or whether it's just the music itself is so stimulating. That's right, Kate. And I love the way you describe that. It, it's true, and that's why they, you know, they call the movie Alive Inside because you see the t- stereotypical image of somebody living with more advanced dementia, slumped over, you know, non-communicative, and then you see them light up, start singing songs to singing words to a song they knew 40 years ago, dancing, and it's a magical thing to behold. And it can happen to all of us and really help us stay connected. And the dancing, isn't that something that, uh, again, it may be that someone loved to dance or maybe they didn't, but that movement and maybe all of a sudden they're inspired that uh, they love this different thing to be doing. That's right. I, I like what you said about they love the different thing because a lot of times people have had to work so hard all their lives they haven't had that much time for play or um, artistic exploration, and this is a time for that. There is a wonderful group out of New York City called Rhythm Breaks Cares, and they do partner dancing with people who are living with dementia. And this is just a lovely thing to behold, and it works for people who are in wheelchairs, who are in walkers, who may not be able to get up and dance by themselves, but you can hold hands, you can sway to the music, and 
it is really exciting, the energy this brings. Again, this is something you can do at home or in a care facility with someone where you just take their hands and you're swaying to some music you think they'll like, and maybe you're doing a few dance steps if they can't get up and dance, and it feels like you're dancing together, and it's very empowering. And I can just see that. It feels so wonderful and looks so beautiful. And thinking of it in a care facility that sometimes we have a sense that they can be rather depressing, this I would hope that the book and these ideas are being embraced and brought into those venues so that uh, they do come alive, like alive inside, but alive all around. Yes, I think so. I think there's more and more of a trend for people to be embracing these kind of creative activities. We have a long way to go, but there's a lot of people doing astonishing work out there and so, and that's what, what I really appreciated about the getting to write this book is reaching out to all these people and seeing how meaningful their work is, but also having their help in making it easy for any of us to access. So at the end of each um, little chapter, and they're very short chapters, I have what I call creative sparks, and it's sort of the how-to. How, here's how you can do this activity right now with the person you're caring for. And so that I like it that anybody can do these at any time. And perhaps because it can be challenging in a facility to have enough staff, maybe they feel that they have too many things to attend to, that there isn't time for this, which is sad that it would be looked at that way. But maybe we as the individual can come in and kind of gather, you know, a group of people to be involved in an activity. that That's always a possibility, right? It is always a possibility. And one of the things, um, you know, we've learned is that when the staff is more engaged and gets to be part of, you know, more than just the really important act of, you know, bathing, dressing, helping with movement, and their, their work is more fulfilling. One of the really uh, fun places that I talk to has resident, they have resident llamas, they have outdoor goats, they have a, a courtyard that has chickens there, and the, every week one of the llamas walks through the home so that people can greet him and pet him. They hold the chickens, the staff holds the chickens, so residents and their families can pet the chickens. And the staff is encouraged to bring in well-behaved pets so that people get to be around animals. And there's a soothing quality to being around animals. This home has a rescue greyhound who lives there. And uh, Lauren Gaffney, who was telling me all this, was saying how people love to sit around and watch Lucy sleep. And they chat with each other, so it really increases socialization and reduces anxiety, and it also gives them someone to care about and that is and care for, and that, as we know, is really important to all of us. Exactly. 
And that also brings in that piece of nature that having a small garden, perhaps a flower garden or vegetable garden, is another activity that uh, engages, and nature just has such a healing quality. That is so true. And one of the things that Claire Craig from the UK um, told me, and she is one of the specialists in nature and helping connect people through nature, she says, Oftentimes when people are living with dementia, don't get to be in nature, they feel disoriented and confused. You can also bring nature indoors. There's a gentleman named Gareth Chalfront who is an expert, and he helps uh, create dementia gardens. And so one of the things he said is, if you have a yard, look at your own yard and think about what are the interesting parts of my yard? Are there any features in my yard and create a little tour of your yard for you and your loved one. And I thought that was such great advice. Also, advice about looking at the inside of your house and seeing where you could be looking out more. One family just simply rearranged their living room because they were avid bird watchers and they could no longer go out hiking into the woods like they love to do. So they fixed it so they had some bird feeders right outside their window. They got comfortable chairs so they could be facing out. They got their thermos of coffee they always had with them when they hiked in the woods and their binoculars and their bird books, and they kept on their bird watching. And so it's another great example of adapting to the changes that all of us go through one way or the other and keeping that shared passion going. Oh, all of it feels so energetic, invigorating, Deborah. I'm just loving all of what you share. We can find it in this wonderful book, Connecting in the Land of Dementia, Creative Activities to Explore Together. But you also have a website, which I know is a wealth of information. So let's share that. Yes, DementiaJourney.org is the site that I have a lot of resources on. Every week I post a blog that's got either features inspiring people or has ideas for care partners. I also love to receive ideas from care partners. I know that all over the world people are doing interesting things at home. They figured out different ways they can stay connected with the people they care about. And I think the more we share our stories about that, the richer we all are as a community. That was one of the deep things I learned from writing this book and my earlier book, which is Love in the Land of Dementia, is the importance of sharing our stories. It's easy to feel isolated when you're caring for someone who's living with dementia. And it's not necessary (laughs) because There are so many people out there going through the same thing. There's so many amazing resources. But one of the great things to do is simply, with your own family and friends, share the story of what you're going through. There's things that are challenging. There's things that are brilliant and exciting. And when people get more of a sense of the whole journey and not just the stereotypical fears that go along with it, it helps make our communities more dementia-friendly and dementia-inclusive, and that's what we want. Precisely. And you share that in the book, and so we can get a sense of that is how people have responded from around the world, that 
The story is my story. So to realize we're not alone, that's a huge thing for us to become aware of. It is really true. Um, That feeling of connection and community is important to all of us. And that was another thing that I learned during my time with my mom is to invite my friends sometimes to come to be with me around my mom. That was very helpful to have a friend be with me and maybe at a time where my mom was saying the same thing over and over and over again. I'd heard it so many times I wasn't really listening. But when when my friend came, she said, your mom is so interesting. Well, she was right. I had totally just kind of blocked the story out of my mind. But when my friend reminded me, and she was there without the baggage, (laughs) you know, that I had, just seeing an interesting woman, my mom was telling stories about her time serving as an army nurse in Iceland in World War II, very interesting. But I had kind of, you know, blocked it out a little bit. It helped me. I think having a new person come with you and helping you appreciate what's going on, the things that are fascinating about a person you're maybe very familiar with, was really helpful to me. So many wonderful ways to connect and to support and just to make life be all that it can be is uh, what I believe that we are gleaning from this conversation this morning, Deborah, and certainly from what we can find in the pages of Connecting in the Land of Dementia. I so truly am grateful that you are doing the work that you're doing, that you're so wonderful at it and communicating it. So thank you for doing the work. Oh, it's just an honor and a privilege to do it and to get to share it. I appreciate that. Well, I do appreciate that you've taken time to share it with us this morning, Deborah. It's certainly been a privilege, and I thank you greatly. Thank you, Kate.